Hello everyone, I'm so grateful that you're here. The Brush is a lounge for women, a place where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. I'm Monique Walker, welcome to The Brush. Walker and welcome to The Brush. Adrian Michelle Young is our guest today. Hello. With over 15 years of extensive experience, Adrian has honed her skills as a marketing creative producing for a variety of major networks including ABC, BET, TV1, and Music Choice and she's an award-winning producer. Um, editor, director, all of that, creative. And I'm so excited to be talking to you today, Adrian. What did I miss and what can you add? Talk to me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Tell our audience. Well, girl, you kind of summed it up. It's pretty amazing. I sound awesome. <laughs> you are, you are. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, yeah, well, um, I'm a writer, producer, editor, uh, creator, director. I love telling stories. I'm an artist. Yeah, you, uh, and for the record, maybe this could be part of it. I get emails all the time. You do not even want to know. I well, probably. A producer, right? Yeah, I, I can. Let me tell you how many emails I have right now. See? Um, 21,352 emails. Wow. That's oh just work. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That's a big, that's big. So go ahead. You were telling us a little bit about who you are and then when you're done, lead into what it is that, what does all of that mean that you do? Because I think when I say I'm a producer, most people don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I can tell you in a nutshell. Um, I have, I've, I, I, I've done documentaries. I've done long format shows, mm -hmm. but um, my producing realm that I'm currently working in mostly is in the marketing entertainment world. Uh, which a lot of people don't know, but it, I'll just describe my day job just to make it um, you know, more clear. Okay. Um, I currently work uh, for uh, Disney ABC in, in New York. It, when I worked at ABC in New York, we called it ABC. Out here we call it Disney because they're the boss and they pay the bills. So we're going to roll with Disney ABC. Um, so I currently work with um, at Disney ABC in the entertainment marketing uh, uh, department as a writer-producer. Um, and I'm known around these lands as the next Thursday girl. Um, so to explain a writer producer, as you know, and any creative knows, it could be a vast variety of different names or titles or things you do. But currently what pays my bills is being the next Thursday girl. What is the next Thursday girl you ask? Yeah. Um, the next Thursday girl is usually synonymous with a Shondaland show. Um, since um, season 11, I've been Grey's Anatomy's Next Thursday Girl and Station 19. I am their Next Thursday Girl. 
And I am teasing because that's what we do as Next Thursday Girls. So Next Thursday Girls are basically, which is me, um, that person that, that at the end of every episode when you have that amazing cliffhanger mm -hmm. and then the credits start rolling, Mm -hmm. And then you see next Thursday, splash, 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 drama, tease, tease, tease. Yeah. That is me. So, oh. <laughs> so my job is to get people to want to, first of all, get people to know what's coming up and tease them about it and just mm -hmm. keep them wanting more. So as a next Thursday girl and as a entertainment writer producer, I'm a trailer maker. Mm -hmm. um, so I produce trailers, promos, digital content, sneaks. Um, we do specialty shoots. We do all kinds of things. So mm -hmm. for the last several seasons and years, I've upset a lot of people with next Thursday cliffhangers. Um, yes. so <laughs> I'm very blessed to have the job. And mm -hmm. sometimes it leads you astray, but it's all good because you, you get there and then you're even happier once you've landed. So if mm -hmm. I can bring more more eyes to a show or more you know, more intrigued about what's to come than I've done my job correctly. Mm -hmm. But as a next Thursday girl, and this mm -hmm. is a piece that I think a lot of people don't get, there's a lot of people involved or a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces involved in being able to even take a 30 minute or a one hour sitcom and then try to summarize it in a what in, in a next thursday girl segment 30 seconds yes. yeah, yeah how do you i mean that takes that's where the creative creative gift is because you have to know the full the whole story how many episodes do you watch before you can start to tell us about that process how well, does it keep going you know what's funny is um not only do i do the trailers but um when uh, a few years ago we were Grey's Anatomy was celebrating their 300th episode, mm -hmm. so we we're kind of brainstorming ways to tease 300 episodes because that's an amazing, huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, so we had this meeting about what can we do to market and to do something fun. So mm -hmm. I came up with this idea that that seemed crazy at the time, but it was a feat that we wanted to take on. So it was mm -hmm. to promote. To, to to pay tribute to Grace, so 300 episodes in 300 seconds. Mm -hmm. So each second of this piece that we did was from a different episode of Grace. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a timeline of the 300 episodes in the making. Mm -hmm. So it was crazy. So yes, mm -hmm. I didn't start with Grace. I started on season 11 and I watched as a fan. Um, beforehand, but I really got involved, and I am still to this day extremely involved in the characters, the mm -hmm. developments, when someone dies off, or when someone new comes, or the love triangles. Mm -hmm. We always kind of try to name them, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it's all fun. But to answer your question about the trailers themselves, you know, it it depends. Like you just have to kind of get the tone of the show right. Mm -hmm. um, as anyone in um, in my position, any writer, producer on the marketing position, someone who does promos or trailers or commercials, you kind of have to understand your audience. So mm -hmm. my job is to understand the audience, what they want to see, but also understand the show. And you kind of have to become a sponge to the show and absorb it and kind of mm -hmm. live it and breathe it and take mm -hmm. it personal and mm -hmm. kind of go where the characters are going, set the tone, because sometimes, you know, 
you might have a heavy episode that requires sensitivity and that comes with the the, the, the music that you select or the sound design that you select mm -hmm. or the pacing or the mood sometimes you might have some something fun or i know we did they did an episode for 1420 which you know is about for those of you who know 420 whatever uh, i'm not going to go there but most of you probably know what 420 means but it was it was so we had fun with it you know mm -hmm. um so <laughs> the music sets the tone sometimes you do voice sometimes you don't sometimes you do crazy teases that make audience say what sometimes mm -hmm. you decide to like throw people for a loop to keep them guessing mm -hmm. um so i think each episode as you know if if you are a fan of grace can stand mm -hmm. on its own so mm -hmm. what my job is and my team's job is is to honor that episode and do the best job possible to market it to its fans by still but still keeping the integrity of the show but not giving too much away mm -hmm. um, which is why a lot of promos are called teases our job is to tease you and mm -hmm. to and to get you excited about what's to come but not give it away because haven't you ever seen a movie trailer where you see the trailer and you're like, oh, that's the whole movie? Yeah. That's a fail. <laughs> <laughs> so my job is to not fail. My job yeah. is to promote, to market, and to get eyes and ears to the TV. Because, because a show like Grey's is a phenomenon. Like I can I can literally, we can literally post a promo or at the end of the episode the trailer will run and like within minutes people have pulled it people are grabbing screenshots and guessing what's going to happen mm -hmm. people, think people are like saying oh shonda did that you know and it's mm -hmm. just it's just fun to be involved and it's fun mm -hmm. that people take our marketing as part of the show because we're all intertwined and we're all, all a part of this amazing vehicle that right. shonda has created so i'm blessed and fortunate enough to play my role for the last, I guess, five years. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about what, I mean, wh how, how do you work? What, what, what kind of honor is it working with Shonda Rhimes? I mean, that she just kind of came on the scene. Nobody knew, I didn't know who she was. And then all of a sudden there's this huge, you know, conversation about this amazing woman. And then it's like one, one series, one show, and then another one, and then another one. And then the whole Thursday night lineup became <laughs> Shonda world. And then there it's, was phrases like oh, yeah. Shonda, it's Shonda, Shonda and Shondaville. What was yeah. it like? What has it been like working with her? Well, I will tell you, um, I do not personally interact with her. Okay. Um, I have had email exchanges with her that are amazing, but she has a team. She mm -hmm. has a a conglomerate team mm -hmm. of amazing people and 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 it's just huge like she has the netflix thing happening the abc thing happening so there's a lot of hierarchy and chains you have to go up to to get to her but yeah. i will tell you um when the season where they killed off mcdreamy um we did email and um mm -hmm. and one of the things i respected most about working with her though i've had a few brief encounters with her via email was she is a boss and she knows what she wants mm -hmm. and honest and direct. And we did this marketing campaign that I personally thought was amazing and great. And we had the, this is when the fight song was out and it was just mm -hmm. like, you know, Meredith overcoming this and getting back to her life after 
losing our husband. And we did this whole campaign that as, um, as a network, we were proud of, proud mm -hmm. of, we were very proud of it. Mm -hmm. but we, we shared it with Shonda and she was like, I don't like it. And this is why I'm mm -hmm. not going to go into the whys of it because that's probably something I should not share. But what I loved most about it is number one, that's some boss stuff. And not everyone can take that. Yeah. Not everyone says that. But number two, not only did she say, I don't like it, but she actually broke down why. And she, yeah. and, she and, and we were able, or I personally was able to, to get into her mind and see how she was, how she worked. And mm -hmm. it just clicked for me. And I was like, okay, got it. So mm -hmm. sometimes our perspective could be one way and we're thinking something else, mm -hmm. but then, you know, you connect with the person that creates it and they're like, no, this is it. So then it's just like, it was like, it was a mind blowing, uh, game changing experience for me. Wow. Kind of helped shape how I, I move forward in mm -hmm. doing marketing for her shows. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. She is, she is phenomenal. Exactly. Even to listen to her speak in any conversation, it's like she's on, you know, she's, she's in another, um, in another realm. I mean, you just have to take everything that she says and kind of absorb it for a little while and then come back. I was just, you know, really, really uh, pr so proud of her, you know, to hear uh, and to see her come on to the scene and, and uh, all of the twists and the turns and oh, every, yeah. ev episode of everything. And it did start with me with Grey's Anatomy, but then, you know, uh, how to get away with murder and all of the others. It was just scandal. Yeah, scandal. Oh my God. It was just, phenomenal no, she's, she is a beast she is amazing i yeah. love her i i am claiming and i'm putting out there that i'm going to be working closer to her in the near future mm -hmm. be amazing and we'll yeah. be best friends in my head and in reality one day we'll see but anyway yeah. <laughs> we're gonna keep it going <laughs> and i know you can do it because you've got that so talk to me a little bit about how the how you broke into the industry because I mean, we have a Louisiana background, a connection in New Orleans. You kind of got to start like I did. I was working at the Access Channel in New Orleans and training at all of these Access Channels and all of this kind of stuff. And you were right there doing some of the same kind of stuff. I was. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, I actually, um, I actually kind of stumbled upon this whole industry. Mm -hmm. Like, both of my parents are artists and um when I, I went to university of new orleans and i was actually an art major mm -hmm. and uh from being an art major you know you're creative so like and i'm coming like in the shadows of my father who like he can just pick up a pencil and then some magic thing appears on on canvas that mm -hmm. I, you just can't mimic or replicate mm -hmm. um so i was an art major and i was and i was doing it and i and i loved it but i didn't think i was that great uh, but mm -hmm. I knew I had potential and I decided for fun to take some, you know, you can take these one credit classes. So mm -hmm. decided to take some film classes and some TV classes mm -hmm. and an avid editing class. So I was taking all these little side classes and one of the jobs was, you know, they wanted us to create some student film. There was a student film festival. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. So mm -hmm. I, but I wanted to understand the process. I didn't want to just, direct it and write it. I wanted to understand every facet of it. Yeah. So I took the Abbott class to learn how to edit it. Mm -hmm. I worked with directors to learn how to direct and write it. And so mm -hmm. I, I did these little things. And around that same time, um, I took an internship at New Orleans Video Access Center. 
yeah. which was a nonprofit spot. You know, Novak? <laughs> yes, you do. So, so we what we rented we rented equipment um, to for Sally Two Shoes to make her wedding videos. Uh-huh. But we also would edit them, and we would also teach classes and do those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. as I was learning how to um, create my own film, which was called The Awakening, and it was mm-hmm. so great that we had to do the sequel, Awakening Part Two. Mm-hmm. You can't check it out in the theater. It's a special VHS collection somewhere. But <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I want to find it. It was so good. But anyways, um, because you know I had taken these AVID classes and I was and was started off at Novak as an intern. Um, they they were still using like the old school walk in the room and like the whole room is an edit Girl, system. I know. You know. Oh, and then, Lord, I know. Right. And it, and then everything was like you can't mess it up because it's going right at the tape it wasn't like the digital world yeah but they they did have one young guy Mm -hmm. his name was scott who was had and he had an avid in the back room Mm -hmm. so i would ask him like hey i'm learning this and i'm doing this in school can i can i practice and shadow you Mm -hmm. so because a lot of people um and if you if you if you're in the industry and if you've been in an industry for a while Mm-hmm. You'll meet those old heads that aren't ready to evolve. I call them circus. Girl, yeah. They're like, back in 1990 or two, we I did know. it this way and we did it that way. And it's that circum mentality where they're stuck in that box mm-hmm. and they're not willing to evolve. Mm-hmm. So fortunately for me, God had other plans. So because the circus weren't willing to evolve, mm-hmm. I was able to sit with the avid editor, the one young guy that worked there, and yeah. he let me shadow him. So oh, he would do uh-huh. shows and cut Sally Two Shoes wedding videos. And, mm-hmm. You know, so while I'm learning to do the film at, at, at school, mm-hmm. I was shadowing him at work and um, at, at my internship. And he ended up leaving Novak to get a job outside of the nonprofit world, like mm-hmm. a, a real avid paying job mm-hmm. back in the day avid paying jobs were pretty amazing mm-hmm. um they didn't have an avid editor they didn't have anyone there that knew how to use the avid mm-hmm. they didn't have anyone that there was one woman donna who i love who learned how to use it but they they, they didn't have enough heads mm-hmm. to know the avid so mm-hmm. i was hired while i was still in school to become their editor wow, that's so, um so it was it was a blessing it was a blessing that came to me and i was able to do my school projects there mm-hmm. do sally two shoes wedding videos and because of my skills and because of my youth um our creative director at the time wanted to since it was also a nonprofit, start this uh film video workshop for for um underprivileged in the youth of new orleans Mm -hmm. so i was asked to co-direct that Mm -hmm. Um, so we taught all these young kids uh from different walks of life how to write shoot edit direct and produce yeah psas so Mm -hmm. as i'm learning at school Mm -hmm. i'm teaching at work so it was like this amazing thing that was happening yeah Um, so from there, um, I was blessed to teach that. That's actually one of the highlights of my career, all mm-hmm. these years later, um, mm-hmm. just to be able to teach kids that may not have had the opportunity or thought they had the opportunity that this is something. Yeah. 
and you can you can use your voice to mm -hmm. create something mm -hmm. and you also you know have a voice a lot of people don't realize they have a voice and yes and you can fight for passion projects so we did a lot of psas that, that mm -hmm. actually aired locally and from there i was i got a job at the local nbc mm -hmm. then i got a job at you yeah wdsu and then after and i did like some of the craziest i was a commercial producer there so i did like mm -hmm. like I can't even remember, but those car commercials where everyone yells, come on down. I was one of those. And I, and you know, they, they, I'm going to tell you on those mm -hmm. car commercials where everyone's yelling, come on down and do this and that they're mic'd, mm -hmm. and they know they're mic'd, but they just choose to yell just for yell sake. And you just, <laughs> <run with it. laughs> um, but again, a, other, a, another experience that kind of built things up. And, and then if you're doing commercials, and you're doing PSAs at um, Novak, you find yourself in this 30 second or less world. So yeah. I found myself telling stories in this mm. 30 second or less environment or world. Um, so from there, I, I ended up moving over to ABC to do promos. Um, mm. So we, um, and that was WGNO. And mm -hmm. then, um, so we did, I did promos at ABC and then WB, um, which they were kind of combined and did a lot of syndicated stuff. So I, was, I would say if I caught on to friends and everybody mm -hmm. loves Raymond because it was syndicated. So like, mm -hmm. so then I learned how to tell promos, of, you know, I did the news promos at NBC plus the commercials, the car mm -hmm. commercials. So I learned the news skills. I learned the commercial skills. Mm -hmm. And I learned the the funny side at like the, the WB side. I learned love felicity. I am so dating myself, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so it's like all these different you know hats that I was learning. Mm -hmm. But you know, but they were all in this thirty second or less world. Yeah. And so, and I was still like in my twenty, like early twenty. Mm -hmm. um, so, so ended up getting a call from CBS and I'd already done NBC and ABC and WB. So when CBS called and I said, you know what, I might have something here, you know? So yeah, yeah. I decided to kind of take a faith step, which I find myself continually doing throughout my career and throughout my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always wanted to live in New York or LA. Mm -hmm. So I kind of prayed about it, talked to God, mm -hmm. you know, thought, you know, he told, he gave me the message that New York was where I was going. Mm -hmm. So didn't have any friends or, you know, I knew this one girl that I worked with, her name ironically was Adrienne. So mm -hmm. she told me about this room that she used to sleep in on the, on the floor, yeah, available. So I, I kind of started making the plan. So I transitioned, um, my parents are divorced, so they live in Louisiana. My mom is in Louisiana, my dad is in Ohio. <laughs> uh, so I naturally um, made the transition from New York, uh, from Ohio to New York. So I set some dates uh, on my hand. I wrote the date every day and prayed over it, worked towards it. Um, mm -hmm. What didn't fit in my car in Louisiana was left behind. Um, mm -hmm. And what didn't fit in two suitcases didn't make it to New York. Uh, wow. So I was like a two backpack and a dream kind of person. Um, 
I was knocking on, I was walking around with a VHS tape, like, bam, hire me, you know, <laughs> like knocking on doors and businesses, which you don't do. And mm -hmm. people don't do that. And mm -hmm. they don't hire you that way. Mm -hmm. But because I was Craigslisting like places to live and because mm -hmm. I, you know, like lived from floor to floor yeah. um, with total strangers, which I wouldn't recommend anyone doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Luckily, I, I found some fortunate circumstances, but that's kind of scary. Um, yeah. In retrospect, um, <laughs> one of my last roommates before I landed a gig knew her name was Rose. She knew someone who knew someone at BT, and you know, it was like this whole chain of back and forth where it's like, I think I know someone at BT. And I said, are they hiring? She's like, let me check. So she checked and then she, they are hiring. Oh, really? What department? I don't know. Let me check. So it was a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. But inevitably, um, I was able to land an informational interview um, with someone in marketing, which happened to be what my background was. Yeah. Um, and um, from that informational interview, um, she said she would give me a test run for three days. And that three days, I think, turned out to be four years. Wow. Um, so at BET, I actually did, I was in creative services, which is marketing. But I also did shows. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, we had the show back, you probably know it. Most people do. If you, anybody who watched BET um, back in the mid to mid to 2000s, mm -hmm. um, that was a show called Access Granite. Yes. So, um, so on top of my day job, I was doing the show called Access Granites. Mm -hmm. So my first one, this is another dating me alert. Um, mm -hmm. My first Access Granite, because it came, like a lot of times when I get these shows, even how I got grades, it's like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And it's just like, yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's like these kind of things that I've been blessed to have someone see something in me. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so uh, the creative director, her name is Penny Mac asked me one day if I wanted to do an access granite. And I was like, yeah. So mm -hmm. she was like, well, it's, um, I don't want to, I said, how do I give this away without giving this away? So she's like, well, it's this artist who he's coming back out. He hasn't been out in a while, but he's dropping his first album and we think it's going to be huge. So I was like, great. Mm -hmm. So at the time they had already shot some things. So she kind of gave me like all of these tapes. Um, and it was for this little, unknown maybe artist named Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And, and the, sh the song was called Drop It Like It's Hot. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was my first 30 minute show that I had ever produced. Wow. Um, and like, it was like a whirlwind turnaround. Like I was like, they're trusting me with this. Okay. So, <laughs> but in retrospect, I'm so thankful and blessed for the opportunity because from that opportunity, I did several more. Mm -hmm. um, several more access granites that you know that have touched my heart to this day and yeah. you know if i could find the tapes i believe they might still stand um, <laughs> so I'll go, that. I'll go with that yeah so i did the access grant during you know my nights and weekends and mm -hmm. i did marketing during the day so we launched shows during the day mm -hmm. and did promos for bt and bt awards and celebration mm -hmm. gospel um, mm -hmm. as my day job and my side hustle was doing these amazing 30 second mini docs uh, yeah. for access granite and other sh other shows on BT. Mm -hmm. um, I have so a question though for here and I think it's a good place to ask this what I hear in this conversation is 
passion, 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 pursuit, 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 passion, passion, passion. You're in this big city by yourself. You're willing to leave everything behind for your dream. How did you, how did you keep yourself? How did you stay focused? How were you so resilient? How were you um, so intentional about everything that you did? Where did you find self-belief to someone that's, that's, you know, thinking that they got it. And then, you know, what, what, because you didn't fail. You just kept going. Talk to us about what it took for you to have that staying power. Well, I'll tell you how I got to New York. Um, uh, like I said earlier, um, made a lot of faith steps. And now that I'm older, I kind of understand faith and a walk with God a lot differently than I did back then because, yeah. you know, um, my father has a degree in theology and, um, we always went to church. I grew up in church and mm-hmm. singing in the children's choir. So I knew about faith, but I, I didn't understand it, but I knew it enough. So I, I always felt this calling. So I remember, and I was in a really, uh, just, just to be transparent, I wasn't in the best relationship. Cause you know, when you're in your twenties, you think you know everything. And as mm-hmm. my father always told me, your brain doesn't kick in until you're 30. He's right. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but he's very right. But anyways, um, I I would pray about it. I pray all the time because I just wasn't happy. And I knew there was more. And I, and I felt like a calling to go to either New York or L.A. But I wanted to go to New York because I was, you know, sidebar backstory, I was like in, in like this, we, people call it Glee Club, but I was in this show choir when I was a kid. And we would always sing this. New York, New York song and the yeah. lyrics. If I could make it there, I'll make it anywhere. Yeah. I, just, I lived and breathed those those lyrics and I just always wanted it. But I'm like, how is a young girl from Shreveport, Louisiana gonna make it in New York? And like it just was on my heart, but I wanted to do it. So I remember yeah. I remember praying about it. And mm-hmm. I asked God for a sign. So I would encourage you guys to pray over things and ask God for a sign because he will deliver. Yeah. And I remember coming home and like I said, I didn't really know anyone in New York at the time, but I knew that that's where I was feeling like I was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another dating me moment. When mm-hmm. I came in the house, my answer machine was flashing. Mm. So on my answer machine, New York, New York was flashing. No. I just fell to my knees, cried, prayed, no. all that. Cause it was just like, my God, I'm going to New York. So one of the things you do when, when you make these faith steps is you prepare. Mm-hmm. So as you prepare, you mentally prepare. So one of the things like one of the pieces of advice I give mentees and just anyone that ever comes across my path is to set dates and prepare for it and trust and believe and have mm-hmm. faith that things will come together. So like I, I left New Orleans and went to, um, I went back home to Ohio, my father's house. And I took a job that I knew I would be happy in. And, and of course, everyone around me was afraid. Like, oh, you want to go to New York? It's scary. You don't know. And you'll get shot and killed. You know, <laughs> all these things people say. But I just knew after that answer machine flashing, there was no turning back. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I took this job. I won't name the name of the company, but it was a place where you answer calls and people yell at you um <laughs> i won't name the name but i i purposely because i gave myself three months 
to prepare myself mentally for my, my next chapter. So what I do every day is I'd write the date. I had this date, I think it was February 3rd. So I put two, three, like on my hand mm-hmm. so every day I would write it new. So whenever I was at this call center and someone yelled at me or screamed at me, I just look at the date and just remember this is, this is temporary. This is temporary. Wow. Um, so I just every day mentally prepared. And I know my parents said, well, why don't you get a job at the new station here? I didn't want to because I didn't want to be distracted. So I guess a piece of advice for your listeners could be like, if you believe in something, God puts things in your heart for a reason. Yeah. Prepare for it. Don't don't think, okay, well, maybe I'll settle for this other job and get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Try your best not to get comfortable. You want to be uncomfortable in these positions because you're growing. Growth. Yeah. Growth and comfort just don't really go together. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I continue to relearn that lesson and I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, when I got to New York, um, it wasn't like sugar plums and roses and easy either. You know, yeah. there were times when I, I, I had like a little budget. I cashed out my 401k because I didn't really understand finances or money well enough. Yeah. So I cashed out my 401k. And I was surviving off of it. And I, instead of taking trains, I would walk. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned this love of walking mm-hmm. and, and connecting with my environment and the space I was in. So, mm-hmm. you know, there were days when I had to decide, do I get a biscuit from KFC or do I wait until tomorrow? Mm-hmm. There were days when I'd have like 50 cent or dollar food rations. I became one with a dollar, a dollar meal because mm-hmm. I had goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, my advice is, you know, you have to sacrifice. You can sacrifice because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. your goal is there and you have to have the faith and you know, it'll come to fruition if you have it. Yeah. And I remember like walking over the, the, I don't know if it was the Brooklyn bridge or it was the, one of those bridges, I think the Williamsburg bridge mm-hmm. and finding a dollar on the ground and crying. I've had so many cry breakdown moments. <laughs> But just just to be thankful for that dollar and know, oh, I can eat today. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I don't need to spend the, this money on the subway. I can mm-hmm. instead walk. So people always, once I got my job and once I was making money, mm-hmm. I still walk. And people would be like, oh, you walk all the time. And I would say, oh, so I could eat hamburgers. Well, but I just conditioned myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that conditioning because there was so much growth in that. And there's so much power in just taking a walk. Wow. That is just an amazing story. You know, so many people decide I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to Hollywood. Everybody's dream is to go to Hollywood. And a lot of times they don't do the work because I don't care if you get there and you think you've got your best product or your best project. Some of the biggest blows to people is to get to California or to New York, I mean, Hollywood or to New York and discover that what they had really they didn't do the work and it's so yeah. crushing i mean how often do you see stuff like that and what do you i mean what do you do when that happens well you encourage because at the end of the day like you did the you did the work to get to that place but that place isn't the end that place is the beginning that place is the starting point mm-hmm. getting to new york i did work to get there but once yeah. i got there that was the beginning like yeah. you have to know that when you're resetting your life or when you're making these life changes or when you're entering a new season that's Mm -hmm. that's a beginning that's not 
like, oh, I've arrived now. Shower me with everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that will come. And that's part of the faith journey. But you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to put in the work. You have to be willing to pay your dues. You have to be willing to, I always give people like young people and interns and my mentees advice, be a sponge. Take internships, not just at what you want to do, but take internships to figure out what you don't want to do or what's not for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, in my earlier years in my career, I wanted to wear all those hats. I wanted to direct. I wanted to edit. I wanted because I wanted to understand to do it all. But yeah. part of my journey and part of becoming who I am today realizes that true leadership comes from understanding it, but being willing to step away and trust that you can have a team and a community and mm-hmm. other people that might be stronger at a certain skill set or might be able to to see another vision. So right. I embrace teamwork. I embrace teams. I embrace collaborations because you can add to me. Like mm-hmm. we can add and build together as opposed yeah. to me, me trying to control everything. Mm-hmm. There's that's, no strength in that. There's yeah, no strength. That's really big. Uh, change and new perspective. So you can't go to Hollywood. You can't go to anywhere with one idea. You have mm-hmm. to a lot of people approach me all the time, Adrian. They say, I got this script. Uh, can you help me get it to this person? Or can you help me get it here? Can you help me get it there? And the first thing I ask them, I'm like, are you willing to for it to be modified or changed in any way? Because if you're not, then go produce it yourself. Because if yes. you're sending it to ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, Netflix, Facebook, talk, walk, I mean, Facebook, um, Um, TV, whoever, you're going to be, they're going to modify it some kind of way. So are you open to that change? Are you willing to, um, you know, to allow somebody else to have some innovation towards what you are doing? And if you're not, then go and do it yourself. And that's something else that I'd like to talk to you about. We've got about a minute left, if you can believe it. We're going to have to have part two, three, and four. (laughs) <laughs> Can we do a part two? Would that be okay with you? Because Are you kidding? Because we're just getting started. Yes. You can even talk about my LA years. Yeah. <laughs> more that I want to ask you. We haven't touched on, but we're going to go ahead and close this segment out. Thank you so much for sharing your, your path and how important it is to follow your passion, but be willing to make the sacrifices if you have to, but stick to what you know that what you know and keep the faith in the mix the whole time. That's the <laughs> biggest you, part. That is the if you are listening, um, we are coming back with a part two. My name is Monique Walker, and we are talking to the amazing, the amazing Adrienne Young, and she's talking to us all about her uh, adventure in the uh, television uh, entertainment industry. Thank you so much for joining us. And The Brush is a lounge for women, a place where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. Oh, dear, dear.